Now, I'm going to give you a second to get in your Bibles and open up to Habakkuk. Uh, some of you will be like, Habakkuk, uh, is that in the Bible? Uh, it's right next to Hezekiah. Just kidding, that's not in the Bible. Hezekiah was a king. But Habakkuk's in the, in the minor prophets section, and you're going to find it toward the end of the Old Testament before you get it to Matthew. So if you get to Matthew, you've gone a little too far. But Habakkuk, you don't hear many sermons preached about on Habakkuk, excluding those who were there this morning for, at 9 a.m. How many, how many of you have heard a sermon preached recently on Habakkuk? Okay. Excluding those who were here this morning at 9, brother. You know, it's not very often that we, we preach from Habakkuk, but Habakkuk speaks so poignantly to our times right now, and, and he just answers some questions that we have in our life. And, and honestly, we all have questions, and we're searching and seeking, and Habakkuk helps answer some of those questions. And really, here's the thing, God's called us to continue to rejoice in Him. And, and we can continue to rejoice even through this, and that's the lesson that Habakkuk learns through, all, through the entire book. Honestly, honestly, if we look at our nation today, our heart groans. Our heart groans when we see uh, the biblical foundations that have been eroded. Our hope, heart groans when we see the hate and destruction that has been brought. We, our heart groans at murder. Our heart groans at the abortions. Our heart groans at the growing unrest. Our heart aches within us for all that we see in our nation today. My heart uh, just was so burdened by the Supreme Court and the decisions that they brought in their legislative decisions uh, this last week, and I, my just, I'm just burdened, and oftentimes I hear myself whispering these words from Revelation 22:20, 20, even so, come Lord Jesus. We're ready, amen? We're ready for the Lord's return. If you're a believer today, you're looking forward. I, I keep watching, and I, I keep expecting just any time for those clouds to break loose, and here comes Christ. I'm just looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to being able to be home with my Lord and Savior face to face. And as, as we think about this, I just want to see that, that God is still at work in this time. He's still able to heal. He's still able to, to uh, mend the brokenhearted and to bring just encouragement to Christians. And as we walk through this, I just want to encourage you because as we look at Habakkuk and his life and this book here today, we're going to see that God is still on the throne. Let me give you a little backstory about Habakkuk, because honestly, we don't know much about him. If you've read your Bible through, you've probably read through Habakkuk, but maybe you treated it like the baguettes, you know, just kind of fast-forwarded through all of that kind of fast. Or maybe you didn't quite grasp it all, but I want to share with you a little bit about Habakkuk so that you can kind of glean and grow together. And so Habakkuk ministered in Judah during, after the northern kingdom was taken away by Assyria, he, was, he ministered after King Josiah during the reign of Jehoiakim. Now, King jo Josiah was a great and godly king. King Josiah was a king that uh, loved the Lord. He reinstituted temple worship. He, they found the scrolls that were hidden in the, in the refuge in the temple, and they brought it out during King uh, Josiah's range, uh, reign, and they called for a, a fast, and it was a great time of revival uh, in, uh, in uh, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem at that time. Truly, hearts were turned back to the Lord, but the very next king, his son even, Jehoiakim, he brought just great evil into Jerusalem. He reinstituted false worship. He reinstituted some of the pagan practices. And as we look at the difference in these two guys, we see that God has called Habakkuk not to minister during the good times of Josiah, but to minister to the difficult times of Jehoiakim. And it's during this time that Habakkuk is searching and seeking for answers and wants to know 
Where are you? Oftentimes, we look at, at Habakkuk's life, and as I've studied through this, I just see so poignantly in his life where we are today. Because Habakkuk asks, asks some questions of God. And he begins in the first uh, few verses, and he asks some things of the Lord. And then God begins to, to converse with him. And then it becomes a back and forth, similar to what we find in, in the end of Job, as Job talks with the Lord. But as Habakkuk just converses with God, and he shares with him his heart and his burden, and there are things in his life. And, and as Habakkuk goes through each of these things, we see that God answers. And where Habakkuk starts with the questions, he ends with rejoicing. And though today you may come into the house of the Lord with questions and you may uh, be wondering what the world is going on, I tell you that if you, if you follow along with me through the scriptures today, that God's going to give your heart something to rejoice over in the midst of what we're going through. Habakkuk is the home of great rich theology. In Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by his faith. Think about that. It's repeated in Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, over and over and over. We see where, where God reminds us that this is a, a consistent theme throughout Scripture. It's not a new theme for the New Testament, but something that even in the Old Testament we see there. And so Habakkuk has much to teach us about the meaning of faith and righteousness in the midst of great persecution and trial. And as we look at this together, I just want to encourage you because Habakkuk is a tremendous book. And if you've never studied it or you've never looked at it or even read it before, I hope that today as we walk through Habakkuk together, and I'm not going to preach all three chapters. We're going to glance at all three chapters. Okay, there's a difference. But as we walk through parts of this together, what you're going to find is God brings rejoicing in the midst of our trials. Raymond Calkins summarized Habakkuk by saying this, There is no Old Testament book that is able to do more for the burdened souls of men or to raise them to higher levels of hope and confidence than the brief prophecy of Habakkuk. Hardly a book in the Bible is constructed on such simple and majestic lines. These three chapters stand uh, like three August columns side by side, each complete in itself, unparalleled in their power and appeal. Search the Bible through, and you will not find nothing so matchless, excuse me, and you will find nothing so matchless in concentrated power as three, these three chapters of the book of Habakkuk. Of the outward circumstances of the prophet's life, we know nothing, but here was a man with a soul sensitive to evil, yet firm in his faith in an omnipotent God. And this faith he has uttered with a force, an eloquence, a literary power which has caused his words to become a permanent part of the literature of the soul. And so let's look at the Word of God together. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4. We're going to glance at these first four verses and I'll just keep your finger in Habakkuk as we're going to be referencing back to it several times this morning. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou shut me and uh, show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling, and violence are before me? And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. Let's stop there. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Lord, every word is profitable for us today. And God, we need you to speak clearly and plainly to us today. 
God, our hearts are burdened for the world around us. We long to see the peace of God upon the hearts of lives and men. God, we'd so desperately cry out to you that you would hear this morning. And that, God, you might truly work a mighty miracle. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As Habakkuk deals, as we read the first couple of verses here, it seems like a very dire way to start a positive message. And as we look at these four verses, we see that, that really Habakkuk is bemoaning, he's burdened, he's crying out to God. And as he does so, I, I just remind you that, that this is a conversation and he's very real with us today. And really, he's asking this important and honest question, why are you silent? You ever feel like when you pray, God is silent? You feel like when you pray, God is, is not listening. And, and this question is just burdening Habakkuk in this moment. And, and he just wants to know, God, what, where are you? How come you're not listening? Verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? He doubted even that God would hear his prayer. He, he wanted to know, is God even listening today? I remember I, children, I, I just loved children's church when I was a child. I got to have the privilege of being raised in church, and, and I just had the privilege of having uh, Miss Carla Dunham. If you don't know who that is, that's okay, the Lord does. She was my children's church teacher, my uh, preschool teacher. She said, John, every time you moved up, I asked the preacher if I could go to the next grade with you. So literally, she taught me from, from the little, wee little age all the way up until I went into the high school department. And Miss Carla Dunham, she would always remind us, she would say, Now kids, remember, God hears when you pray. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. This is confidence. I, the, the John says, listen, we can put our confidence in this. We know that God hears. He's not deaf. He do, you know, even Elijah, as he was on Mount Carmel, and he was uh, there, and they were preparing the two sacrifices, and they were trying to determine who was God, if it was Baal or if it was God uh, known as Jehovah. They said, who is God? And so Elijah said, well, you 450 prophets of Baal, y'all go first, and obviously there's more of you, so I'll, I'll let you go first. And so they began to to prepare their altar, they slew a bullock, they put it on the altar, and they began to dance around and do their, their hocus-pocus, and they did their jigs. And I tell you that, that around lunchtime, they still hadn't heard anything. And so Elijah mocked them, and he says, hey, he's obviously asleep or he's not listening, so cry louder. And so they cried louder, and they cut themselves with knives, and they tried to get their God's attention, but honestly, he was no God, and he couldn't answer and then Elijah, he comes along and, and he says, well, let me repair the altar of the Lord. Amen. Let us repair the altar of the Lord. And he comes along and he builds up the altar with the 12 stones and he lays the bullock on it and he dresses it and gets it ready. And then, and then they, he says, now go get me some water. Now, mind you, they've had a, had a drought for three and a half years. He says, get me some water. I don't want anybody to think this is my doing or some trick of the imagination. This is God. And they pour and they pour and they pour water upon the sacrifice. And he prays. I think it was 37 words, not very long, and God answered that prayer. You know, we love to read stories like that. And we think, man, God, I love it when you answer prayer. And, and I remember as a child, for, for four years, we prayed for mom and dad to be back together. And, and people would, I'm sure, have felt sorry for us. But I love just sharing with people. Listen, for four years, God heard the prayer of a child and said, God, let my mom and dad get back together. And after four long years, God answered that prayer. But I'm not going to lie, in the midst of it, you get weary. 
Does God hear? The Bible says He does. The Bible says that we can trust in Him. And a matter of fact, God answers Habakkuk and God reminds him that He does hear. But Habakkuk was looking at his country and he saw the morals and he saw the thing, the decadence, and he saw all the garbage that was going on around him. And he said, listen, God, are you even looking? Are you paying attention to the, to the travesty, the violent crimes, the things that's going on? He says, listen, God, are, are you even paying attention today? The reality is that we often feel like that. God, are you even paying attention? Are you listening? Forces of wickedness seem to over prevail over him. In verse number 4, he says, Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. He says, it, it just, we've just been pretty much given up hope here. The prophet was frustrated, but God answered in a mighty way. If we're honest, we could sympathize with Habakkuk. And we'd probably say, man, there's been times in my life where I've prayed and I just, I feel as if God is not listening. Maybe we even feel like God doesn't even see. Here's the next question. Does God see today? A couple Wednesday nights ago, we talked about uh, the fact that God is involved in our life. Not just the fact that God created and then stepped back, because that's deism and we don't buy into that. But what we realize is the Bible teaches that God is intimately involved with us because if God wasn't involved uh, with our lives, then Christ, then Christ is, is not Christ. He's not the Messiah. And so we recognize that God is intimately involved in us and wants to have a relationship with us and, and speak to us and, and, and work in our lives. And so we believe that. If you're here today and believe that, say amen. Amen. So we know that God sees and God hears and, and we know that God is involved in our life, but sometimes we'll be honest, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll say, man, I, I just don't even know where God is in all of this. Is He even paying attention? If we look at our, our world around us, we, we wonder. We see that they've devised a strategy to take over our, our public school system. They uh, tried to control the minds through the media. We just see all the stuff that's going on. And I just want to remind you of the scriptures because, because even when circumstances causes, cause us to doubt, we can come back to the Word of God and we can stand sure on what God's Word is. We hold to the Word of God that it is His Word. And we remind, I'm reminded of a couple of scriptures in the New Testament that reminds us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Listen, it is not man's Word, it's God's Word. It's infallible. We can trust it today. And so I want you to turn with me a couple of places. Uh, Psalms chapter 33 and verse number 18. As we look here and then Psalms 139. In these two verses, we're going to see that God is involved. God sees, God hears, and God knows and walks with us through the most trying of circumstances. And though you, your feelings make you believe God isn't near or make you believe that God doesn't see, I'm going to remind you that you can't trust your feelings always. But you can trust God. You can trust His Word. We can believe in Him today. Psalms chapter 33 and verse 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy. Flip over to Psalms 139 and verses 8 through 10. As David writes this, he reminds us of, of God's presence. He says, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall my hand, thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. There's nowhere we can go where God won't walk with us. 
And you know, as, as we see that in Psalms 23, and God says as the shepherd, He says, I'm going to lead you beside the still waters. I'm going to lead you into the green pastures. I'm going to take care of your needs so that you can say in verse number 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm not going to have a need. But then He also says, when you go through the valley, I'll be there. That's the God that we serve today. And that's what Habakkuk needed to be reminded of. And we're going to fast forward just a little bit as we go through the scriptures in Habakkuk. And so that's kind of a lot of, a lot of undergirding for understanding the rest of Habakkuk. Because the remainder of Habakkuk in chapters 1 and 2 becomes a, a conversation. Habakkuk and God and Habakkuk and God. And we see this played out for us. And then in chapter 3, we see the glorious results of when we're met face-to-face -face with God. It's a time of rejoicing. So let's look at Habakkuk chapter number 1 and verses number, verse number 5. Because I want you to see the beginning of God's response here. And God's response goes through verse 11. But I'm just going to touch on verse number 5 here. He says, Be, uh, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Listen, God says, I'm about to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm about to give you a prophecy, but you're not even going to believe it. And truly, he didn't. If you fast forward to verse number 13, he says, Thou art purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously. And he says, and so God's prophecy, let me share that with you, was that Babylon, who was an evil and wicked king and an evil, wicked nation, was going to come and destroy Judah because of their sin. And so God said, told Habakkuk, he says, listen, I've not turned a deaf, uh, blind eye. I've not turned a deaf ear. I've not ignored what's going on around you. He says, I'm going to deal with it. He says, and that will come to light later on. And he, and he says that you can trust me in this. He says, it's going to be so, I feel like President Trump. It's going to be so amazing, you're not going to believe it. Sorry. But as we think about that, we see that he says, listen here. He says, it, my answer to you is going to be something that you're going to find hard to believe. And verse 13 is, is Habakkuk's response. And he says, God, how could you use a wicked and vile nation like Babylon to come against us? How could you use this thing of, 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 of great uh, evil to come against us? And so I want you to see that God begins to build the faith of Habakkuk. And he sees that we have faith through uncertainty, even in this time. Because as God was trying to strengthen the faith of Habakkuk, he continues to strengthen our faith today. And I remind you what Isaiah 55 says. He says in verses number 8 and 9, For my thoughts, talking about God, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I am so thankful that God doesn't think on the same wavelength as I do. He would be way limited, trust me. His ability to not only understand, his ability to operate within the, the realms uh, even of, of my life, let alone seven billion other people's lives, you know, would be very, very limited. But God, His ways are higher. And even greater than that, the Bible teaches us that God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. So we know that God's processes, His purposes are working out for, uh, in his plan today. And I'm convinced that we can trust God's ways. And that's what he's teaching Habakkuk through this lesson. Even when things look uncertain, even when the world is turned upside down, you can still trust me. 
I will still do the impossible. That's God's message to Habakkuk. And, and I just, I'm thankful that it's our message today. Because the same God that worked yesterday is the same God that works today. The same God that worked for Habakkuk continues to work today. And as, as Habakkuk was telling God, listen, things are bad here. God says, listen, things are going to get worse. But trust me, I have a plan. We see He calls us to live by faith. We talked about this a while ago. The just shall live by his faith is what he says in, in Habakkuk chapter 2. If you look in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2, we begin God's rejoinder then to Habakkuk. And he says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it sure, will surely come. It will not tarry. Verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Man, God spoke in a very powerful way in a moment right here. And God says, listen, though you're sitting in this tower, in this place of refuge, and you're fearful, and, and though you're in this place, and, and let me just remind you that the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 repeats this. And he says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And undoubtedly, we are facing times we don't always understand. I told my wife just this week, I said, I don't understand the thought processes of, of some people around me. I, I, it's, in, I, it's impossible for me to understand what's going on. But I trust that God is still at work. I trust that God is still on the throne. I trust that God still loves uh, every single soul on this earth today. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verses number 8 and 9, he says, For by grace are you saved. Listen, I'm thankful that it doesn't matter uh, where I come from. It doesn't matter how affluent I may be. It doesn't matter my background because God says when we come to the cross, the ground is level at the cross. And he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Because here's the truth in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter where I come from or what, uh, how bad or maybe we think how good my past may be. Because the reality is we're all sinners and all need of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so God tells us in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace ye are saved through faith. Listen, this is God's reminder here. Just as He reminded Habakkuk, listen, the just shall live by faith. And if you want to live, you want to experience the life that Christ offers, then you must come to Him by faith alone. Listen, it's not going to be in my good works. It's not going to be in my church membership. It's not going to be uh, through, through anything that I can do. Because Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we, we have done, but according to His mercy hath He saved us. And so we see that God offers you today. doesn't matter who you are. God says, listen, you can be saved today. You see, because when we strive to earn our way to heaven, or we strive to overcome in our own ability, in our own power, we are striving in our own self-righteous works. And the greatest destroyer of the life that God offers is our own self-righteousness. I can't do it on my own. It's not my, my ability. And so God tells Habakkuk, you don't understand, but that's okay. Because even in uncertainty, you can trust me. Even when you don't know what happens next, trust me that I'm already there. As God just encourages him, I encourage you from Romans 8.28. 
This is a common scripture for many believers today, and we just we hold great uh, hope in this truth from Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know, not we think. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I'm thankful that God gives us this promise in the midst of everything that's going on in the context of Romans 8, 28, that God says, listen, no matter what may come against you, He says, if God be for you, who can stand against you? He says, because I'm with you. And I'm, I think about Romans 8, 39, where he says, uh, for nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is what God's message is today, still to our world, that listen, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died and uh, bore upon him the sins of this whole world, was buried and was resurrected the third day so that we could ha experience salvation through him. As God spoke to Habakkuk here, God just wanted to encourage him. God wanted to lift him up. And he says, listen, and though there's going to be a time of great judgment, I remind you that there will be a time of redemption. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, we see this played out here in this particular area. It says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so God calls us as Christians today, continue to call, continue to trust, continue to seek His face during these times. Continue, just like He encouraged Habakkuk, continue to be faithful even in these times. And you're going to have faith to rejoice in this month. Habakkuk chapter 3, look there with me. In this very last chapter of Habakkuk, he begins to share a prayer with us that is later turned over into the, the, uh, the psalm writer. And he and puts it to, to instrument, as we see in verse number 19. But in verse 1, he says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon uh, Shigo, Shigo, you, you know what that says. I can't even read it right now. It's split in the middle. It's hard to read it. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the, uh, of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. And it goes on and it continues to praise the Lord through this chapter. And in verse number 17, I want to pick up the narr narrative right there. And I will remind you as we read verse 17, 18, and 19, where Habakkuk started. Habakkuk started with, God, are you there? Are you listening? Are you paying attention to what's going on? Now look at what happens in the end. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Although all of these bad things may happen, because he's met with the Lord, he says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and He will make my feet like hinds feet and He will make my feet to walk upon mine high places. You see, in the end, as He came, as He met with the Lord and after He had a time to meet with God, He realized, you know what? No matter what may come, no matter how difficult this life may be, no matter how trying this, this situation may be, He says, don't forget, I am God, and he says, I will rejoice. Christian, we can rejoice today. 
We can rejoice that God is still on the throne. We can rejoice when we come together and sing. We can sing a victory in Jesus. We can sing great hymns of the faith like how firm a foundation. We can come together and be encouraged and renewed every time we come into the house of the Lord. Because when we meet with the Lord, we can say, Yet I will rejoice. Does your faith allow you to rejoice? Maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you feel like God is silent in your life. Maybe you feel like God's not even seeing your plight. And you wonder about the promises of 1 Peter 5, 7 where it says, casting all your cares upon Him for He careth for you in your life. Well, does that apply to me? Because I feel like it doesn't. I call you back to this truth that when you meet face to face with the Lord, there's great reason to rejoice. We see Him preparing we see Him shaping this world, don't we? We were talking between services. And I tell you, my heart is anxious for the Lord's return. My heart is anxious to hear the trumpet sound and the rapture of the church to go up and us to be able to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Won't that be glorious? But until that time, let us rejoice. Until that time, things will not just be bad, they will get worse. Until that time, let us continue to be remain faithful and say, listen, no matter how bad things may get on this earth, we know that there is a God in heaven and He still sits on the throne and He's still able and He still can do the impossible because God is the God of the impossible. So choose to sing. Choose to rejoice together. Choose to trust. But you know, this trust begins when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We mentioned Habakkuk 2.4 is repeated three times in the New Testament. And it's quoted those three times in the first. And as we think about that, God says the just shall live by his faith. And not the just shall live by his works, but his faith. What is your faith in today? Because it's not just faith that there is a God. Because the devils also believe that there is a God and tremble. And yet they're on their way and destined to an eternal lake of fire. What is your faith in today? Is your faith in your money? It's going to collapse one day. Is your faith in a church? Let me tell you, there is no church that saves. Only Jesus saves today. Is your faith in your baptism? Let me just remind you that God says that that is a work and it is not anything that saves. For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Is your faith in Jesus? Jesus Christ said in John 10.10, I am come that you might have what church? Life. That's God's offer for you today. And so this is what he did. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Let me pause just for a second. I want you to picture the person that you just had the last fight with. If it's your spouse or maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's something you saw on the news. Maybe it's one of the, someone that you disagree with politically. This is what the Bible says. For God so loved that person that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, it's not subject to just a few of us. It's, it's for everyone. God offers the gift of salvation for all. So what's the difference? Here's the reality. A gift must be accepted. Many people... Uh, you know, I, I love Christmas, I love birthdays, uh, you know, we we'll get to give gifts to the kids and they get underneath the tree and, and they get that gift. I have yet to see a child get a gift, look at their name and then put it back under the tree and say, no, that's okay, I don't want it. Now they may open it and find a pair of underwear and decide they don't want it, but they're anxious to get, uh, get it and open it and receive it unto themselves. Listen, the reality is that salvation you must receive. 
How do you receive? I'm glad you asked. This is not on the screen, so I want you to look in Romans chapter 10 with me. For those of you I may be familiar with this passage, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, this is what the Bible says. And for many of us, we've memorized the Romans road to share the gospel with others so that we could share with people how they can be saved because this is what God says, to receive this gift unto yourself. Verses 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's God's truth right there. And verse number 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You must believe, not just believe that there's a God, but believe that Jesus Christ is God. He's eternally God, eternally past, eternally future. He didn't become a God. He's always been God. And then He chose to leave, leave heaven and the glories of heaven, like 2 Corinthians 8 9 reminds us, and He left all the riches of heaven to come to this earth and was made in our likeness made in the likeness of men, and, uh, and we just real, realize that Jesus Christ lived this earth and He died on the cross and He rose again and He uh, took the punishment of our sins. And this is what it requires. You must believe in Jesus Christ. Do you trust in Him today? Have you, have you put your faith in Him alone? It's not Jesus and Buddha. It's not Jesus and Muhammad. It's Jesus alone. It's not, it's not a pick and choose buffet. It's God's way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to come to the Father, you must come by Him.